Yeah. When, when we start the show, I'm going to have to come up with an intro, and I'm, like, tossing up, like, which intro is better. Like, is the better intro, like, hello, it's me, professional podcast journalist, know everything about how to do it all proper and good, or is it better for me to come in being like, hello, it's me, British, British man, or is it better to come in and be like, hi, it's me, Dr. Ben McAllister, here to help you out with all of your science needs. What do you, why do you come in as um, indecisive coward joke man? Um, yeah i reckon just start with that um and then we'll react like oh but you already pitched this joke to us before the mics were on and the audience will just be gone they'll like we'll be able to watch it on like a chart where the line just drops this is a tale of a strange and dangerous world a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello, and welcome to HDW Laid. It's a D&D 5e actual play for the Curio Network. I'm your British professional podcast dungeon master, Benjamin McAllister. How you doing? Welcome to the program. Who have we got here? I am your uh, proud son of the diggers, Jackson Newsom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just don't even know what the pattern is. Um... <laughs> It's patriotism. Yeah, is it? I don't know. It doesn't feel like it. Um, <laughs> oh, you've really done me over. I've never seen tea this thrown by this <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it has really rolled me. Have your wine. Um, Ooh, all right. <laughs> we've got that heat. We've got that heat in the studio. I... Uh, <laughs> just say any words. I... I'm... I can't... It's been so You're long. a shameful son of Wales, Thomas yes. Owen. I'm doing it for you. Grace, it's your turn now. And I'm Grace from Wales. That sounds like Grace. You just got to have Grace. My name's Grace. From Cardiff. That's not what they sound like. Grace Javel. <laughs> Over oh, Hill and Dale. It's just a hate speech. Oh, Grace. Uh, hate Grace speech. fucking oh. nailed that. That was. <laughs> 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 it's because oh. I had a big glass of wine. <laughs> I know I say this from time to time, but I really do think that may be our most disjointed <laughs> introduction to the podcast. Yet. But we haven't even introduced one of our members. Yeah, just... you reckon that was disjointed? Well, look at me arms. Look at me. I'm your diaspora-based Thomas Owen. That's wonderful. Hey, so let's let's just take the listener inside why perhaps that was so disjointed. Which is to say, look, I'm I'm currently in, in England. I have been for the last month. I'm doing some I'm working with this podcast over here called The Naked Scientists. Check it out. By oh I'm gonna get his name. I promise you I'll get his name. You have not? Jamie. Jamie Jamie Oliver. Oliver. Yeah, Are you serious? Yeah. Are you fucking... Naked scientist, naked that was... chef. That's what that intro was. Yeah. It was your Jamie voice. It was really just um, a pretty generic British voice. I feel heartbroken about that introduction, I won't lie. I feel like I've lost my mojo. Yeah. I don't know how to record podcasts oh, I mean, hey, that's a little bit of Austin Powers magic, though. So that's a bit something. This is your redemption arc. This is my redemption arc. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm over here. I have been for like the last, what, like five weeks working on this show. And so the stuff you've been hearing is all stuff we recorded like five or six weeks ago before I left. And this is the first time we've all managed to like get together in the digital space uh, to record some brand new fresh content. I uh, love that we like hits. recorded on St. Patrick's Day and then we're like, well, we're going to we do just, holidays yeah. now. So we'll be back just after Anzac Day. See you later. Yeah, slash Easter. I just realized I should have gone with my cyber nationality. Just so oh, it would have been a real... What's your cyber nationality? Well, it would have been like... Kekistan? Citizen of the world. Globalization. Uh, I'm I'm Mr. Worldwide, Thomas Owen. Oh, or, that's or very if, good. If I was going to go Pitbull with thing. the cyber 
as a nation, then I'd be like, and I am your electronic Thomas Owen. Cool. You could have done the Matrixing as well. That also would have played. Yeah. That would have got I points on the board. Just throughout the whole episode, just hit us with other options. Yeah. yeah, other, yeah. A few alts. You know, Give us some alts. Exactly. A couple of alts. And we'll edit the best one in. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be a listener yeah. poll at the end. We'll, yeah. we'll listen to all yeah. 18. Yeah. And then if Which they get the right one, they, we just delete the podcast. Hey, yeah, so this is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast where sometimes we what? play D&D and tell a story together and then you listen to it. And we're all just kind of like exploring the space, getting back into our rhythms here. Uh, and while we figure out how that works. Am I right? Okay. Oh, dude. Nice, 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 nice. Just getting to know each other again after so long apart. I know. Yeah. So while we, still, while we all do that, we're going to take a quick little break and we're just going to like, you know, sync up and synchronize and get our energy together. And while you sync do that. Periods. Hell yeah, ladies. I think you all should listen to a little bit of a recap of the show. When we last left our heroes, they were trekking through the Temple of Silence, accompanied by Petunia, one of Drasilia's old childhood friends. After passing some puzzles and besting some vicious robots, the group found themselves at a malfunctioning door. Duncan attempted to jam the door open with his sword, chipping the blade in the process. After this, the company made their way into a corridor, the walls of which were adorned with many strange things. Each of our heroes was visited with a vision. Jody saw a portrait of a woman in Espera, which transported him briefly back to the monastery. Drasilia saw a chess board, which delivered her images of a man and a woman playing the game joyfully. And Duncan saw a strange rune on a piece of stone, which sent him back to the quarry in a town he used to work in where a strange ruin was uncovered. The party was interrupted by a loud yell from behind them. That brings us to right now. Oh, Lil's back with coffee for me. Hey! Lil, hey! Where where did you go for this coffee? Um, the Urban Provider. Oh, nice. Let's get Lil on the show. Lil, come say some words into the microphone just for like, so that the listeners can hear you. Hello, listeners. Do you have anything to say to your fans, Lil? Um, thank you for your loyalty and support and love. Good. All right. The that best bit about the weird pause in the middle of the word loyalty made it sound like the mm. listeners have a loyal Loyalty. Tea. Yeah. What a dream that would be, hey? Yeah. Mm. That's where you guys are at. To clarify. Did I tell you about like- my dream about Chris Hemsworth? What dream about Chris I get the feeling maybe we don't need to hear it. Oh, no, it was <laughs> Grace and Chris Hemsworth, hashtag fuck. No, we did it. Chris Hemsworth was my best friend and it was fucking sick. And he took me to my year 12 high fuck. school ball. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All the friend Chris Hemsworth <laughs> yeah, yeah, took Grace to the ball? He was my best friend. <laughs> Chris, that's fucking... That's... That's just too much. <laughs> oh, God. When did it you have this dream? It was the best dream ever. It was when I was in Hartley. Oh, my God. I wrote about it. Hang on. It was Grace's um, lucid dream lucid that she dream. controlled and created yeah, 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 herself. Yeah. Is this really boring? Do you want me to read my... We'll post it on the website. We'll post Grace's <laughs> recount of her Chris Hemsworth dream on the website. Oh, no, it's really interested. bad. What, what, <laughs> how read how, how read bad is it? It's... I know I should invite Dan to the bowl, but I want to invite my good friend, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! My friend and yours, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the highlight. We have to put that in and then fucking tweet it oh at him. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's where we're at. That's what's going on here on the podcast, How to Inloot and Influence Dragons. You're standing here in this corridor full of wonderful, fanciful things that have grabbed your attention in different ways, and you've heard a large fuck yelled out from behind you uh, through the locked door that you guys just proceeded through. Um, I'm going to take a quick intelligence check to see if I can remember how to play Dungeons and Dragons. nine. That goes down to eight with my intelligence modifier. T, so, you've probably played 10,000 10, hours of D&D at this point. You can't, like, act like you don't know how to play D&D now. It's fun for me and Grace to joke about it, but you... Come on. Yeah, I guess I am. Grow up, dude. <laughs> I guess I am the D&D daddy of the uh, outfit. Yeah. Wow. It's like you're always gatekeeping so hard. Yeah. That's why I'm like, no, Chris Hemsworth isn't allowed in our <laughs> party. <laughs> no matter how often he asks. I'm sorry, Chris. 
<laughs> no one will think Duncan's the hot character anymore. Oh, <laughs> Duncan's the hot character, right? Almost undoubtedly, yeah. He's thick. He's thick. He's thick. He's yeah, built okay. like a two Ks. Yeah. He's, he's built like a like a top of the range like bar mini fridge. You know what I mean? <laughs> On its yeah. side. Yeah. Didn't we establish that he's fur- he goes further out than he does up? Yeah. Is it out or was it backwards? Because <laughs> it's all booty. Did we make yeah, a joke no, of really being super deep? Is that not what we said? Yeah. That's how I remember yeah, that, but I could be dead wrong. <laughs> he's Duncan is thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> we have to start playing the game. Like we, we have to start. Did you want? Something. Did you want some content? Yes, I think he does. Yes. Um, huh. Moves to Britain, starts being professional. Suddenly, he wants usable audio. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess Jody will probably head to try and investigate what the. What the cause of the sound is. Probably as you do that, Duncan sort of like in a hushed whisper sort of says, weapons ready. So again, the, the fuck the fuck noise that you guys just heard, and yes, I'm aware of what I just said, please don't jump on it. <laughs> the fuck noise that you, you can't guys say just fuck heard. noise and then ask us not to jump on them. It's coming from behind the door that you guys just came through. Like, it's behind the big locked door that's like oh, closed um, now. Can I roll insight to see if I recognise the voice? Being the local you sure can, Gracie. Please go ahead. The local flavor. <gasps> it's a natural twenty. So uh, okay. Well, Which means even yep, if you I didn't think Grace 20. had met this character, you now have to retcon their backstory so that they can't <laughs> Grace. or rather, exactly. Darcy, I guess. this is someone you met at the Avril Lequeen concert. Do you remember when we talked about that in what? the last episode six weeks ago? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, Avril I do Lequeen? remember. No, this is not someone you met at the Avril Lequeen concert, uh, Trezilia. This is someone that maybe you, for a moment at the concert, wished was there by your side enjoying it with you. Because you recognise that voice as the unmistakable uh, timbre of your very own little sister, Cerulea. <laughs> Funny story, my actual little sister was at the Avril Lequeen concert with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, this is this is Cerulea behind this door. She's clearly snuck into the temple behind you, and something's just happened, and she's now like locked behind. So what do you do, adventurers? Cerulea, why? <laughs> she, uh, you hear a, a quieter fuck, like whispered to herself, almost muffled by the door, and then you hear, uh, "Hi, Druzzy. Um, look, I mean, yeah, I, you said you were gonna leave, and then I thought like it doesn't make any sense." To just have, like, Petunia, no offense, Petunia, be, like, the only person who knows what's going on in here. You, I'm not the kind of person to wait around for other people to solve my problems for me. I figured that it just made sense for there to be, you know, someone in town other than Petunia if you are just so dead set on leaving. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. <laughs> are you stuck in the door? I'm not stuck in the door. I'm <laughs> stuck behind it. It... It closed, and then I tried to go through the other door, and I tried to grab the handle, and it it electroshocked me and threw me back, and it really actually hurt quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, I'm just kind of it's two locked doors here, um, just kind of here now. So surprise. <laughs> she, she says. Is there anything else ahead of us, or is this room just these like magical vision portraits? No, no. So. So this was a corridor leading towards, like, a big, ornate, like, engraved copper door. Okay, Drusilia turns to the others and she's like, should we just leave her here and come back for her, or...? Oh, I I, I think the the possibility of danger going forward is uh, something to consider. But, um, honestly, I feel like maybe I might just, uh, I might abstain from this vote, (laughs) potentially. I feel like it's more of a, um, a familial, so I I don't want to, um... (laughs) Uh, intrude on. She's just gonna get us into trouble if she comes through. Right. Uh, I can hear you guys. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Petunia chimes in and says, "It's really improper for her to have come in here at all, Cerulea. What did you think you were doing?" At which point, Cerulea says, "Uh, you know, you're not actually the sorcerer either, Petunia. So, what do you think you're doing?" And Petunia just kind of like opens her mouth as if to say something else, and then doesn't, and just kind of hear that. Man, I just do we hear her open her mouth you, to you say something this. like? Wait, let me let me just get. Sorry, maybe 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 you missed it. Just let me just let me get a little. Jody looks <laughs> at his friends and then, like, in a more hushed tone, is like, "Is there a possibility in which she is actually in more danger without us there, and in a potentially locked room in a temple we don't know anything about, than she is coming with us?" <sighs> I just don't want to 
feel the guilt. Let's I just putting it out there. I yeah. don't want the guilt. Yeah. I got a lot of guilt already. Do we even have a clue how to get that door open again, though? It's a good question. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. Um, yeah, so the first thing you guys have to decide is whether you're going to try and get her to join you, and then the next thing is how you might do that. Um, Josie goes and looks at the door and sees if there's sees a handle and anything to be it. done. <laughs> uh, go, ahead and, go ahead and make a perception check for me. It's not great. Bloody 12. Okay, um, Druzzy runs her fingers around the kind of outside of the door frame, and it feels pretty fucking snug in the frame there. Uh, it's like a big, heavy stone door. If you recall, this is like a door that goes like up and down, like a fucking like gullwing door on a car. Although not actually, because it doesn't lever out. Hell yeah, it's just like dude. straight up and no, down. No, 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 fuck. I don't like a Star that. Trek door, dude. dude I, I love. Star Trek. Well, they go sideways. So I think I, let's see. We have a quick fix, and if not, I guess we just leave her to her own devices. Maybe we can leave What's-Her-Face with her. Petunia. Petunia. Yeah, Petunia's with you guys. Okay, look. The longer we stand around, the more likely it becomes we're going to run into some kind of trouble anyway. How about you two stay here, Petunia, Cerulea, you see if you can get the door open. It'll be handy anyway when we're trying to come back. In the meantime, the three of us can try and wrap this shit up. This is how he killed so many people in the war. (laughs) (laughs) Petunia says... I mean, I'm not sure what I can really do about the door. And Cerulean says, yeah, I mean, that aside, like, it seems like you guys did a pretty solid number on those robots, by the way. Jesus Christ. I saw a lot of their voice boxes were gone. What was that about? Anyway, uh, we'll come back to that if we get out of here. Like, I don't feel imperiled, but, you know, who knows what will happen, I guess, going forward. See, I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to give this a crack. Um, Petunia is disinclined to stay here trying to help Cerulea, but if you yes. roll a good persuasion check, she will. So go ahead and give it a crack. <laughs> How's a flat six going to look? Yeah, she kind of says, uh, um, look, here's what I'll do for you. I'll, I'll look through my book, see if I can find anything about this door, and if I do, I'll, I'll come back and open it. But in the meantime, I don't see what me staying here is going to achieve. Can't you read faster if you're standing still? (laughs) (laughs) She just kind of frowns at you and uh, starts walking towards the big, ornately inscribed coffer door. Please be a trap, please be a trap, please be a trap. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think I can do anything here and then there's a spike trap and she just goes to the ceiling. All right, so really, I just yell, I guess, if something happens. We'll be back, hopefully. Okay, yeah, um, I'll just chill here. Don't worry about me, I do have my daggers. And then you hear, like, an unsheathing sound, and uh, she's just standing there with a dagger. Wait, how many unsheathing sounds do we hear? Do we hear, like, six or something Uh, like that? Yeah, you you hear, like, six or seven. You you hear, like, four, and then a short pause, and then a fifth. (laughs) Is she she doing, like, a fucking, like, a, like, uh, I was going to make a One Piece reference. That was pretty weird. (laughs) Wow! To attempt that <laughs> spicy number, <laughs> Jesus, that juicy fruit. Good God! Yeah. Let's move on. Do you know that if you spoonerize one piece, it turns into like a humorous frozen yogurt? Um, it's also very close to one week, which is that really fun bare naked way you spin. But <laughs> yeah, very. Good. Do you remember the time we tried to carry a one week and I bombed and screwed it up? Yeah, when you say tried to, do you mean that time we did karaoke one week and it was a fucking smash hit? Except for my verse. You you reckon yeah, it was a well. smash hit? I reckon it was a smash mouth. Let's just agree to disagree. <laughs> I actually loved how Grace started like dropping syllables and everyone was like, oh fuck. And then who's that? Is, is that her best friend Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> is he getting up to the mic? And then Chris Hemsworth just brought it home? That was my favourite memory. <laughs> I'm gonna dream about that tonight. <laughs> Grace is standing there on stage at karaoke. She's forgetting all the words. She's stuttering. Who are those big, strong arms reaching around from behind and grabbing the microphone? <laughs> Why could it be Beefy Boy and General Good Man Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> Can you all step in pers- next time I try to get up and rap while I'm really intoxicated? No. Nope. Really <laughs> all right. Okay. So you guys just walking away? Um, I think we're, going to, we're checking out the copper door, I guess. Or, or Jody certainly is. Okay. So you walk over to the copper door and... We love that copper. Yeah, it's just like a kind of big door. It seems to have a seam down the middle, like it's in two pieces, two panels of copper. And on the wall next to it, there's just a little button. My finger is on the button. Are you pressing the button? 
what if it's one of those things where you only get like 2.5 million in cash but someone randomly in the world is going to die and then someone else presses the button and turns out it's the person that pressed the button before that dies (laughs) (laughs) and you actually inherit the money from oh my god they like automatically leave it to you in their will instantly (laughs) are you pressing the button donkey um yeah fuck it Duncan pushes the button you push the button and you hear Cerulea go, ah! And uh, then after a second, she just goes, ah, just kidding. <laughs> How could she even have known I was Duncan pushing would have telegraphed the play. He would have been like, here I go, my finger is on the uh, <laughs> button. And like, she would have had a guess from there. That's not what would have happened. How would she possibly time it? Because she knows how long you'd be laughing at your own joke. <laughs> It was just a coincidence. It was a pretty um, compelling play-by-play, play, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> then you hear a as the two copper panels recede back into the walls, kind of like Star Trek doors, and reveal <laughs> a small little rectangular room on the other side. Are we talking about a room for ants or a room for people, then? Like, a room that could probably fit four to six people in it, like, standing in... Like, pretty close proximity to one another. Did you make a fantasy elevator Is there? Is that six Duncans, but only if they're lying on their back? Because then you're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how that works, but yeah. Uh, Jackson, you, you might think with your human eyes that it looks a little bit like an elevator car, yeah? The interesting thing about this elevator car, though, compared to other elevator cars that none of your characters have seen, but that you guys have all seen with your human eyes, is that on the left side of it, there is what appears to be a little hatch. And above that hatch, there is a little glass bar that looks kind of similar to the bar that was in the room where you had to be quiet or the flame jets turned on, where it was kind of like a decibel meter type deal. It's not lit at all at this point, this bar. It's just there uh, above this little hatch. Is there any music playing? Um, not yet. Okay, so it's going to be, we've got, um, we got to hum the girl from Ipanema, basically. Is that the one that's like... Yeah, exactly. It's the one that I hum all the time whenever there's any kind of delay. It's also the one that I use as the... Whenever I do the little effect where we completely derail and I cut in the static and then some music and then back static back into the program and cut like five minutes of garbage, I use the girl from Ipanema. (laughs) Drazilia takes out a dagger and throws it in just to prove that she's still got it. And to see what happens. Um, does she open the hatch or does she throw it at the hatch? The hatch is closed. There's like a hatch cover on it. No, into the room. We're not in oh, the room, are we? Um, no. Can we just call it an elevator? Yeah, call it the elevator. So, so Drusty's throwing a knife into the elevator? Yeah, just basically to test the decibel yeah. meter. Just to see if it is yeah, okay. something. Just, just give me a quick attack roll. Just a quick, like, plus dex, plus proficiency. Yeah. Oh, it's a critical fail. Um, she fucking gets Dun Khan on the back of the head. Instant. <laughs> yeah, D- DKKO. No, uh, the, the, the dagger thwacks against the back wall of the elevator car, but like in such a way that like in the arc of its trajectory, it was like the pommel that hit it and it just clatters to the floor uselessly. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But there's no jets of fire or anything? No, there's no jets of fire. The, the, the decibel meter actually doesn't move and Petunia just goes, <clears throat> um, nice. <clears throat> well. <laughs> After you, Petunia, I guess. <laughs> Petunia walks into the cart and walks up to the hatch and starts inspecting it and then pulls out her little leather-bound journal and starts flicking through pages and says, I swear there was... Let me just have a look. And Is there a number on the hatch? There. Nope. Like a lost thing? Yeah, it's dude. like the lost numbers. Yeah, there's a speaker okay. and it's Hurley and he's there and he's oh, doing dude. all the lost numbers. He's ranch yeah. dipping? Okay. I guess if Petunia's in there and it can fit four to six people, I think... Um, should we also go inspect it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you guys all walk up and inspect the hatch, and you can see it's like just a metal screen that has hinges at the top and it has a little handle at the bottom. Well, let's open it. Yeah. I mean. Do you open yeah. it? Yeah. You open yeah. the hatch. It like opens through like the side of this elevator wall. And on the other side of it, you can see like sort of recessed into the wall, there is what appears to be just like a little tray. Just a little tray sitting in like a little hatch. It's probably like it's probably like oven sized. Is it built in, or does it look like it moves on the other side of the hatch? Like, does it look like um, it could be a dumb waiter, or is it uh, solid with? The- do you want 
thing we're in. Like, I would say you could see, like, little gaps around the base part of it that imply that it might move. Um, what did we get that gave us the visions? What did we each pick up? T got, like, a piece of rock with a rune on it. I got the uh, ruin. I got the rune ruin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gracie, you didn't get an actual object. You saw a chessboard oh. in the frame. I don't think you took it, but it was there. Uh, Jody saw a portrait, a magical portrait. Right. Why don't did you- I take the portrait, or is that a bit creepy? That's up to you. It's on. Slung it's over still your on the I took the, corridor I took the stone, right? Well, the stone you took the sense. stone. Well, why, uh, why don't we say that Jody was a bit of a creeper accidentally, and like, <laughs> portrait, and then we can with this we can return to this later. All right. So Jody, Jody has the portrait. Then fine. Why don't you try putting the rune ruin in the? That's not. The it's for a piece. It wants a piece. What? The little iron tray wants a piece. That's a pretty bold assumption. And then in comes the backing track. Do you want a piece of me? Oh. We'll put your right, piece in uh, there. No, you know that hit, that hit teen girl I'm the boss of you now. Put your piece in there. She said to Chris Hemsworth whilst asleep. <laughs> <laughs> whilst weaving her magic wizard oh. spell. <laughs> no. I'm the boss of you now. Put your piece <laughs> in there. Hello, it is I, your dad and friend, Big B, just checking in on you in the middle of the show as per usual. Thanks for tuning in to Chapter 43. We sure hope you're enjoying it. There's some very cool stuff coming up in the back half of the show here, if I do say so myself, so stick with it. Thanks as always to everyone who helps us out by talking about the show. We keep seeing growth and hits to the feed, which is just fantastic. We really, really appreciate your support, so please think about sharing the show with someone if you haven't recently, or just doing the stuff every podcast asks you to do, and leave us a rating or a review somewhere, or something like that. A quick programming note, I'm still in the UK and will be in Europe for a few more weeks, so there'll be at least one more episode on this release schedule, that is, Saturday morning Australia time. Oh, also, go check out the most recent episode of The Naked Scientists Podcast. I produced it, and it's all about dark matter, which is kind of my day job. Okay, I won't take up any more of your time. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, Okay, so as you guys are standing around trying to figure out what to do with this hatch, uh, Petunia chimes in and says, Okay, here it is. Um, I thought there was something in here. Okay, uh, Thispera made mention one night of needing to make an offering or a sacrifice in order to actually get into the temple. She was complaining about how it was getting harder and harder to gather stuff up from the town with the bubble down to, you know, to fill the requirement. And Tresilia, you would now remember from your childhood references to, like, whenever Thispera would have to go in, like, she would have to bring, like, something from the town. What kind of things from the town? Can we put in, like, a bottle of whiskey or some shit? Things of different value. I think, like, what they were wasn't necessarily super public knowledge, but, like, you, you just would know that, like, she had to gather up, like, something of value from the <gasps> town in order put to access... Ruin in. No, no, what about, like, what is my what ornate is, dwarven brooch? Yeah, what about... Should, what, what, isn't Petunia's whole thing like, oh, I can do this? Surely she can handle, like, the, the fiscal component of it. That's, yeah, like, the yeah, easiest yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Petunia, time for you to pull some fucking weight. Petunia, reading that, goes, okay, I didn't bring a ton of stuff with me, but, um... And then she, like, reaches up around her neck and unclasps this, like, really, like, delicate necklace and is like, this was... Well, this has been in my family for a really long time. Um, Is it the necklace that the willowy elf wore in the vision? No. Dang. It's a different one. And she says... thought it was on yeah, something that's, that's, there. that's a uh, plot-important quest item. You can't, can't lose that. Yeah, you actually aren't Do you still have that in your notes? Because it's one of the few things that I wrote down about the elf woman, is that she had a chain <laughs> yeah, around yeah. her neck and a deep sadness. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's all true. It's a different chain, but but good, good question. Uh, and she puts it on the little hatch, and then she closes the lid of the hatch, and you hear like a whir, and then the little meter above the hatch increments up about a fifth of the way. And she opens the hatch up again, and the little platform is in there, and the thing is gone. Cheap, oh. fake family heirloom bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. Okay, I put my ornate dwarven brooch in it. Okay, uh, you stick your ornate dwarven brooch in there, and you close the hatch, and the same thing happens. You hear a mechanism whirring, and then the thing above ratchets up another about a fifth of the way. 
fuck and that. at this point at this point uh, petunia is like surprised she's like oh that's strange um this pro only ever mentioned needing one thing only ever needing like an item of value and, and how it was getting harder and harder to collect them but i haven't heard of needing this many oh so it's basically something of importance to you and we each need to put one in and it's counting cerulea because fuck the dungeon god damn it <laughs> i'll put myself in i'll take the ring <laughs> Do you want to climb in, Drazzy? Um, <laughs> Don't. Do it. Don't do Not it. yet. Um, can you I put in? Retcon that you're a contortionist. Can I put in my bowler hat? So <gasps> much sure thing I Do you had. want to do it? Yeah. Okay. You throw in the bowler hat and you close down the hatch and you hear the mechanism whir and then there's a small delay, almost as if the mechanism is considering something. And then the light increments up about a fifth of the way. And uh, okay. it's now like, yeah, like three, probably 60%, three fifths of the way across. Fuck. All right, Jody, Jody goes up to the panel and he's reaching into his gigantic uh, pack and um, he pulls out a little glass bottle of Erda Jump water. <gasps> and he, so, he puts that in dupe? his famous cologne. <laughs> That he bought all those episodes ago. <laughs> Dude, I don't know that. <laughs> Everyone loved jump water. It was a great yeah, joke at the good. time. <laughs> Jody's been wearing it the whole time. He's never going to smell the same. Yeah. It's basically sweat. Do you want to just quickly? No. Do you want to just quickly recap where the jump water came from? Jump water was from one of the, one of the uh, like quite early on vendors. I think the same one where Jody got his little silver ring and his cool cool yeah, yeah his cool cool shirt yeah um and basically it was just like a, a sweet cologne to sort of make him sort of feel more himself more confident you know he struggles with confidence. Okay, so this is Jody sacrificing a core element of his whole fucking thing. Yeah. Okay. Jody puts the jump water in the hatch and he closes it down. And after a moment, the thing increments up a fifth of the way, sitting at about 80%. And the four people in the elevator car have all put a thing in. And Petunia says, oh boy, looks like we're going to need one more thing. Um, I don't really have anything else on me other than this notebook, which I could put in if you want, but you know, we might want it. I don't know. I've got a broken blade. I can put that in. A broken blade? It's one of those things where you roll at the start and you get a thing. Oh. Yeah, doesn't it have to be something for Cerulea? Well, that's the theory we're working on. You're making on. an it's assumption. On the other side of a door. Um, I, I would say, Gracie, you and probably Petunia are aware of the fact that like, when Thispera was coming in here, she wasn't bringing stuff that was necessarily important to her. She was just bringing items of value from the town that were important to like someone. Okay. Um, I can put in my amulet. What amulet? My charisma plus that one amulet. It gives you plus no. one charisma? No. Oh, no. no. I'm going to put in my broken blood. Your whole sword? No, 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 no. I where is the broken blade character from? creation? That's a bit of rubbish. Okay, okay. no, no. Where's the broken blade from? Don't It's from a battlefield. Oh, is what your... battlefield? Give us the battle. T. I will. I will. I will allow this. But like, the, the purpose of this is to add some like narrative weight to the things that are being like removed here. So give us a reason that this blade is important to Duncan. Why has he been carrying it around? I didn't give you one for the ornate dwarven brooch. Yeah, but that's like, probably worth a lot of money, right? That's just like a. That's a straightforward, valuable item. <laughs> Oh, I see. I see. You I have a pocket watch worth 60 gold pieces. Yeah, pop that in. Also, the ashes of a hero. <laughs> <laughs> wait, know. wait, no, hang no, on. What? You have the ashes of a hero? Ashes of a fallen hero, yeah. It's my object. I can't I mean, remember who the hero was. I think I did decide, but... I think it was Presenta. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Didn't we decide that the ashes were, like, one of the former, like, sorcerers of this town? Yes, like, we totally did. From generations prior? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Like, I'll put that for- in. <laughs> See you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there is... There is nothing wow. more this podcast than Duncan gearing up to actually give some backstory and then Grace coming in and being like, no, fuck everyone my character ever knew or loved. We're talking to Signing out with the sea bitch. of bitch. That was wild. Um, okay, so we put in the ashes and we get a nice see you, bitch, as Drazilia closes the hatch down. What is, um, what's her face reaction to that? Petunia's like, Drazzy, you can't, oh my, <laughs> oh, wow, she just looks like a little put off. Like, she sees the urn and immediately recognizes it and she's like, wait, that's, and then, like, where did you, and then, 
<laughs> you put it in the hatch, you close the hatch, and Petunia's just like, Juzzy, that was... Just, Do you remember six weeks was... ago when, like, Petunia sort of had a crush and, like, on Drasilia, and there was a much softer sort of banter, and now we just, like, hate Petunia? <laughs> Petunia does look at Drasilia, and Drasilia sees, like, a little bit of, like, maybe not shock, but just, like, intense studying in her Dark eyes. Lost, and I think maybe, basically. like, Petunia is just... Petunia is just coming to terms with exactly how much Drasilia has changed. Drasilia, like, tries to laugh it off. It's like oh, really awkward and like gives us some finger guns. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is maniacal. <laughs> <laughs> like she kind of knows that she made a mistake. She's like, what? Oh, that's so... <laughs> but of course the meter rockets up to complete and then you hear a little chime like a do-ding and... You immediately notice on the inside wall of the little elevator car, so like where the doors have slid off to, you know, like where the button panel would be on a regular elevator. Yeah. There are, in fact, two buttons that are now lit up. There is a button with two vertical slashes on it, and there is a button with a single vertical slash on it that is kind of like less brightly illuminated than the button with two. And next to the button with one vertical slash on it, the one that's less brightly illuminated, there is a little kind of divot, a little, I guess you would say, in what's the word I'm looking for? A little recession. The recession we had to have. That is very... (laughs) <laughs> vaguely shaped like a piece. Petunia goes, um, after like recovering herself for a moment, she says, oh yeah, Thispera also said, um, hang on, and flips through the book a bit and says, she was never able to, to reach floor number one, but she always wondered what was in it. Wasn't a very good source for that. I hate to go quoting Me? lucid dreaming Grace, but let's put a piece in that hole. <laughs> that's, that's... Words in my mouth. Um... Do you do it? Do it. Yeah, yeah. We we do it. <laughs> okay. You 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 like put a piece. What what piece do you put in? Where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from? Cotton Eye Joe. Do we have a spare one? Well, there's that. There's the one that you have that's in the like arcane amplifier, and then there's the ones in each of your weapons. Mm-hmm. Get the arcane one, baby. Um. No, Jody uses the one from his weapon. He takes it out and puts it in the in the thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, as you stick the piece into the little recession, the button with the one vertical slash on it lights up. Bing! And it's now as brightly illuminated as the button with two vertical slashes on it. And Petunia goes, whoa, what did you just, where did you, what is that thing? What do you, what? How did you, why do you have that? I mean, I don't know, I, I think, should, can we just get on with it? I mean, like, Petunia, come on. <laughs> she says, I, I mean, yeah, but, of, of course, but that's, why did, how did you have that? Do you know anything about this, Drasilia? I am the sorcerer. Petunia, just be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that, she just kind of is really confused. Man, Drasilia's the worst, eh? Drasilia is the worst. Be cool, all right? It's totally cool. (laughs) Just just peer pressure. Take peace, man. Just, Um, like, give it a go. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you do? What what happens? You tell us. No, yeah, we press the button. Which button? One. Oh, wow. One. Okay. Button for what one. About the um, okay. And then from the other side of the door, Cerulea goes. <laughs> no, as you press the button for one, that happens, and then everyone giggles, and it's so funny and so great. And then <laughs> the elevator doors <laughs> rumble closed in front of your face, and you hear a little tune. Shocker. Yeah, so that happens. And then the elevator starts moving upwards before too long. Thank you. Yeah, retcon it actually. It's playing Paul Kelly. It's not playing the old do you think this podcast is accessible to non-Australians in the slightest? Yeah. Is it just nonsense? No, famously the Irish love it. Do they? <laughs> cool. So before too long, the elevator comes to a stop and the doors rumble open. And you guys see on the far side what can only be described as an incredibly ancient library. Ooh. You can immediately see that this is a room that just hasn't been explored were entered in a really long time. It's dusty. It's not very well lit. You can see that there are books that are like rotting away. There's oh. just like it's just like a reasonably cozy 
library. Like, it's small. It's like a couple of racks of books, a couple of little desks, some nice, like, chairs, like, comfortable-looking chairs. But, like, again, it doesn't look like anyone's been in here in many hundreds of years. Petunia takes one look at this room and goes, Whoa, what is this place? Do all three of us turn to her and be like, it's a library? <laughs> of course, us big dumb idiots. All, all three of us turn she around. She ignores you guys and walks before. into the library and says, I mean this whole fucking building. Why is there a library? What's up with the robots? What's up with the puzzles and the weird stuff in the hallways? What's the thing you just had? What is going on here? Why are none of you as surprised as me? What, what is this building? Petunia, you've just become part of a bigger universe you just don't know it yet she just kind of opens her mouth and looks around and looks again at Drazilia and says Drazi what is this look Petrina I I don't know how to explain any of this to you I think I have to show you (laughs) she walks into the library and like starts looking around at the books okay So this is an opportunity for you guys to do something that we talked about off mic a little bit earlier, where I'm going to say you guys have found this old library in this ancient Sine temple, and I know that you guys and probably the listeners have a few fucking questions about what is going on with the meta narrative and various things that you might want to know, like who the Sine are, what connection they are to these visions and stuff you've been having, and like you've heard about this figure Maleficus who's up to something and et cetera and so forth. Um, so I wanted to provide an opportunity for you guys to do a little bit of research. And I thought a fun mechanic here would be for you guys to come up with a question, each of you basically, that you want to spend some time looking for the answer to, which you will then ask me, the DM, and based on like the specificity and I guess I would say like probability of there being an answer to that question in this room, um, and a role that you guys are going to do, that will essentially dictate the quality of the answer to your question that you get. So, um, with that in mind, I know you guys have thought of some questions each. Do you want to confer about it briefly? Because, like, you know, if you guys are all going to, like, spend a little bit of time poking around in here, it probably does make some sense that your characters would talk about the kinds of things you're going to look for beforehand. Uh, I will say I know, happen to know, because you all spoke to me about it, you, you all have some fairly similar questions. So maybe it's, like, an opportunity for you to kind of, like, narrow in on three that you want to sort of make and, like, sort of figure out, like, maybe who asks each one because, like, the role is going to be important and stuff. It's just, like, an off-mic thing? Or- we could use it. Like, just, um, like, kick around, like, stuff you want to know. It, it might be helpful to kind of, like, if, yeah, like, it, for the audience, if you do want to talk about it a little bit on mic for the sake of, like, you guys are asking questions that are obviously informed by certain things that you've seen or experienced throughout the course of the campaign. So, like, it, it sort of almost serves as, like, a nice summary of, like, what you guys think you know so far and why that leads you to a certain question. You can also feel free to ask me about stuff that's happened on the show, like, to jog your memory about things if you feel so inclined. I feel like most of this stuff we're probably going to have to look under wise comma maleficus the yeah (laughs) um like who he is right you you have a sort of inkling of who maleficus is so i guess question question one is who he is (laughs) (laughs) who that boy Ages ago, you you guys found that book called like the hubris of maleficus the wise which was about him basically being like a Sine leader who was in charge of the Sine when they did something that was like their greatest triumph and also their greatest mistake. Then there being some kind of like schism within the group and not clear exactly what happened. And that's like, that's what you, that's what you know about Maleficus really. Uh, And then, you know, you've kind of got an inkling from your, your conversation with Esme that like, maybe he's back in some way. Well, I guess the question I was looking at just to throw it into the mix, uh, I think Jody would really want to know how they stopped Maleficus the first time. Given that, like, if he's apparently back in some way after all this time, it doesn't seem like it would be like a regular resurrection sort of thing. Yeah. Like, how did they stop Maleficus? And in, I guess, in an extended sense, how could we? When I and like, go on. Oh, I was gonna um, ask uh, what Maleficus wants to do with the stones. Like, what his goal would be. Yes. His endgame, you might say. <laughs> Guess what week we're recording. <laughs> um, yeah, talk about a timestamp. Yeah. Right? I think Duncan, it's sort of adjacent to that in a way. I think Duncan's wondering what the pieces add up to. Because they're pieces of something. Like what they're pieces of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pieces. fair enough. But also he's probably intrigued by like pieces. whether or not 
like maybe looking for some kind of intel on whether we can hope to construct and use whatever the pieces of or whether we need to be looking at destruction options so that nobody can ever use okay. it. So I guess, yeah, like what it is is maybe the answer to that bigger picture. Yeah, so so, so Duncan wants to know basically like what the pieces are. Jody wants to know kind of like how Maleficus was stopped the first time and Gracie wants to know probably like what Maleficus is trying to do. Is that is that about yeah. the, the, the size yeah. of it? Okay, cool. So we're, we're drawing on like assumptions from you all, you know, from what you've learned before about Maleficus being like the guy in charge when the Cine made something that you're assuming is related to the pieces and yeah, going from kind of there. Mm. Interesting. I am tempted to ask you guys for something approximating like a history or an intelligence or an investigation check here. I'm aware that is exactly nobody's strong suit. Does anyone want to make a case for the kind of role that they're going to be doing to do this research? Well, I think Jody's gonna. The way he sees it is that you know, like it's all one organism, uh, body, mind. So I think he's gonna probably use acrobatics to really. <laughs> yeah, right. To like flip between the shelves. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, and, That's his speed thing. Um, no. Well, because I think Dazilia, after walking away from Petunia in such like a, a grand matter, and like heading for a shelf, looking for something to just whip out and be like, there's your answer. That's performance, really, in okay. my books. <laughs> you know? She's out to impress. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you have a skill joke as well, Tom? <laughs> um, yeah, so... Are you looking for a book made of stone or something like that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because they are stones, the pieces are precious stones. Ah, oh, so you're um, just going to ask I just that. want advantage on my check, because that's <laughs> what do I know about these stones. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm not going to lie. Of the three, that is by far the most compelling one. Wow. So, yeah, I don't think, think anyone else would argue. Well, maybe Grace. I, I would not. <laughs> There's no telling what Grace will argue about. She's pretty contrary. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm guessing if I'm looking at stopping Maleficus, I probably... I mean, all my intelligence are the same. They're all bad. So I'm guessing either history or arcana, maybe. Yeah. Do you have any proficiencies in any of those? No, no, it's literally, it's all negative one. So. <laughs> who's, got a, who's got inspiration that they might want to burn on something like this? I don't have a clue. I don't have a mark on my page. I'm yeah, assuming I, 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 I think you. I think you all have inspiration, like, because no one has ever used inspiration. I'm pretty yeah, sure I have inspiration. Like, you all. Okay, well, I'm going to mark inspiration on my sheet, but um, I'm getting my advantage anyway from it being stoned. So. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, Jody's gonna cast guidance on himself to make him good at reading, and I think he's gonna try yep. and do a, do a um do an arc. I think arcana. Yes. I think he wants to know the how yeah, of just, how he was stopped. If you're if you're not proficient in it, it's just yeah straight intelligence. So so oh, go right. ahead um, with your with your guidance. Let's, let's um, have those rolls. T, uh, T has advantage because he's looking for history of stone. Jody is going to get guidance, and you could burn an inspiration if you wanted to. I'm, I'm going to say for the many, very, very many in-character things you guys have done in the last 15 sessions between the last time we remembered inspiration was a feature that existed in this game and now, uh, you can all have a point of inspiration. If you We do also made some pretty think. inspired Chris Hemsworth jokes tonight. That's so. true. And that, if that's, that's all true. this podcast, I don't know what is. Um, so your boy Jody got a 17, 17 bump down to a 16. Okay, that's not bad. Um, I got two nines, both bumped down to eights. <laughs> I got a four, which would go to a three, and with the advantage for being stone, I got an 11, which goes down to 10. Great use of inspiration there. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know what? That's not actually terrible in terms of how these answers work. Let's start with Grace, who has the lowest role and is also asking a question about what Maleficus is up to now, which is arguably probably like the most difficult question to find an answer to because you're, you're essentially asking a question about current events whilst looking at a library with documentation about the past. And I understand how that could work but it's because like, you're looking for, like, you know, what were his... Yeah, what's I his understand ethos? that you're looking for, like... What's his know, philosophy? Yeah, exactly. You're trying to find out things about what he was trying to do or what, you know, his yeah. kind of worldview is, which is, you know, arguably the hardest the hardest thing to try and find. Like, you're not looking for, like, a straightforward factual answer to a question. You're looking for, like, information about a person. Can you use that nat 20 now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It makes sense that that one is the hardest. So let me think about how these things get delivered. I would say Druzzy is poking around in a sort of, like, semi-decayed shelf, looking at some old handwritten books, and she comes across a book... After like much searching, labeled D 
Dandler's Journal, Volume 2. And she flips through it. And we've kind of already discussed how the Cine writings tend to be in this, like, sort of difficult to translate version of Elvish, just because they're very old. And that means that, like, it's very hard for you to, especially with a role like that, it's very hard for you to, to extract a lot of specific information. But you do come across a few familiar words. I mean, the book is obviously called Dandler's Journal. Is Dandler, have I started to think that Dandler is the Willow Elf lady? Um, I can't answer that for you. If you have started to think that, that's really something that only you can decide. <laughs> is Dandler a woman's name is kind of what I'm asking um, in this world. It's not a name you've ever heard before. But I would say, you know what? Give me a give me a, give me a secondary history check, Gracie. Just just on the side, dude. It's a natural twenty. <laughs> Down to nineteen. Okay. Um, with that, you 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 know that like yeah, this is definitely like a feminine kind of suffix, like the kind of suffix that would go on like an elvish old elvish feminine name. So you yeah, you'd be pretty confident from that that Dandelay is a woman's name. Cool. And you're flipping through this journal, and you find like. A section that appears to be like kind of hastily scrawled and it appears to be dealing with like the aftermath of a discovery and talking about how everyone is afraid of this discovery especially Elva except for Maleficus who seems excited by it and they're not sure what's going to happen well, so, because she's trying to talk to Dandler in the present day of the comms, right? And then these are... Um, old, old books. Old, old books. So that's that's what you find. That, like, everyone was afraid of this thing. Maleficus was excited by it. And they weren't sure what was going to happen next. The general vibe seems to be that, like, of this discovery, Maleficus, whatever it was, wanted to use it. Wanted to control it. And everyone else was just kind of scared of it and wanted to get rid of it. Oh my god, they're talking about Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> He's the weapon. So that that that, that <laughs> sheds some man. light on that that Gracie then for you, that sheds some light on what Maleficus's plan may have been once upon a time, the kind of character that he had, versus like right. what everyone else was thinking at the time. I mean I read that as the pieces. You reckon that's the way well, as in, I'm not sure at what point they were excited or concerned about the discovery. So maybe yeah. the pieces sort of thing, which is like, that's exciting. But given how they were implemented, yeah. um, who knows? Like, with the yeah. pieces... So, so maybe... It's, maybe It's spoken about the creation of them, right, as well? Like, it talks about, like, the pieces being a cine cre- creation. Have we seen that before? Yeah, well, you, you talked about it as, like, pieces of, of, of something, something they had. Um, all right, I think yeah. Drazilia is definitely going to take this book, if she can put it in her backpack. Yeah, yeah. Give it sure to somebody can. a bit more wordy. Cool. Let's do Duncan's question next, which was, what are they pieces of? And I'll say Duncan is on a different aspect of the library and he's in a section of tomes that appear to be like almost scientific studies relating to like different aspects of, of magic. And they seem like handwritten reports in, in different handwriting, different script of people essentially being like, I'm studying the effects of this weird magic thing and reporting on it. And he finds a another slightly decayed handwritten tome called, what was your role? Ten, ultimately. Weird name. Called, what was your role? Yeah, no. He finds a, he finds a tome called <laughs> A Study in Focus Gems. He flicks through it. And there is a section that relates to, it definitely seems like it's referring to the Cine. There are names in there that you've seen before. Dandela, Davar, Maleficus is in there. This seems like it might be like a text that like the Cine created, because we've already heard how they were basically like an organization of very powerful magic users who created stuff and did magic shit and like studied magic and just were like really interested in the effects of magic. And this seems to you maybe like a text that they created in just like studying different aspects of magic. And you come across a reference to a thing that they made, a very powerful focus gem. And I would say like the section about the focus gem is written almost kind of hastily. And it's talking about how it's like 
the most powerful focus gem they've ever seen and how it seems like it might be more than just a focus. It seems like it might be a connection from, like, it It doesn't just focus energy. The reason it's so powerful might be because it is able to pull that energy out of other planes. And that scares the shit out of the person writing this text. So basically, they found a big old stone that pulls power out of the web. And they cut it up into little pieces to use to power their things that use the web. Potentially. Maybe it's social media. They were like, oh, this is this is spooky. <laughs> yeah. It was fake news. Yeah. They discovered fake news and Maleficus was like really excited yeah. by the power of it. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg the wires. Oh. Cool. And Jody's question was, how did they stop Maleficus? Yeah. You find a another handwritten report quite near the section of the library that uh Druzzy was in, but this one is in like a shelf that has like crumbled. Like this shelf has fallen down, uh, and the books that were on the shelf are just kind of like scattered around in a little pile. And Jody's sifting through this pile, and he pulls out a book called Dandela's Journal, Volume Three. And he's flipping through this journal. He seems to find that it kind of, kind of almost begins with like describing that like some time has passed since the last time she wrote and some things have changed. Describing a series of events whereby Dandela and Elva and Devar and a few other names, which I'll pepper in a few of them for you. The names that you would see are names like Glira and Ianthe. And oh, another word that would jump out at you perhaps is the word Analor. Um, and you you know Analor was the name of the place underneath Carthus City. It, it talks about how, basically, Elva rallied this group to stand against Maleficus to stop him from carrying out his plan with the gem, and she can't imagine how hard that must have been. But Maleficus is mortal he's just very powerful and between the group of them they were able to lock him away there's reference to the fact that certain elements within the group wanted a more extreme solution they wanted to kill maleficus once and for all but elva who'd rallied the group together wasn't going to let that happen and instead he was locked away and this is dandela describing the kind of aftermath of that where they all kind of don't know what's going to happen next and where they're all going to go and what they're going to do. As the four of you are exploring the ancient Sinhe library, we see another figure in another similar room somewhere far away. The figure is sitting cross-legged on the floor. A book lays open across their lap and a quill moves meticulously back and forth. Eventually, they stop writing and breathe deeply. It's almost time now, and they know it. They reach up and touch the ornate pendant at their neck. Then, with a slow, deliberate exhale, they stand, collect themselves, and walk out of the room. Towards the obelisk. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsett. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or Still Interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com.